Welcome to The Entrepreneur's Journey, where Michael Pelosi leads discussions with successful entrepreneurs to learn about their journey of starting, building, and eventually selling their business or transitioning into the next generation. The goal is to allow you to learn from their knowledge, experience, and wisdom as you pursue that in your own business. Michael Pelosi is the president of HFM Investment Advisors, LLC, and brings over 30 years of experience working with business owners to organize and manage their business and personal financial plans to help them define and realize their personal version of success in their lives and businesses. Hello, this is Michael Pelosi, president of HFM Advisors located in Glassboro, New Jersey. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, where we will be listening to some great stories from successful entrepreneurs who have either recently sold their business or have passed their business to the next generation within their family. My guest today is Marty Rossica, president of Hawks and Company located in Westville, New Jersey. Marty is a very successful entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience in the HVAC industry. What's unique about Marty's story is how he turned an encounter as a volunteer on a church committee board to full ownership of a local HVAC company, successfully growing that company, and then eventually selling to one of the largest privately held HVAC and mechanical services provider in the United States. Marty is going to share his journey, his experiences, and some words of wisdom of what it took to successfully navigate the sale of his company to his new and exciting role he now plays for Hawks and Company. Welcome, Marty. I'm excited to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. This is great. I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks. Now, I think we've known each other for about 10 years now. Do you recall where we first met and we built our yeah. relationship from there? Yeah, if you remember, it was a local catering facility where you ran an executive club, mm-hmm. and it was my first meeting, and uh, it was at an adjunct branch to the Gloucester County Chamber of Commerce. All right, the executive club, that's right. Yeah. Yep. And then we had, who was the speaker that we had there? Phil Martelli. Phil Martelli. Coach, Phil Martelli, yeah. Coach of St. Gr- Joe's. Told great stories. Told great stories. Yeah, I a lot of fun. I looked at their record over the past couple of years. <laughs> I think they need Phil back. <laughs> they need something. I know. I know. <laughs> They're kind of overshadowed by Jay Wright. I know. I know. That's great. So before we get started, I think you've played a few rounds of golf or, or two in your time, right? Just a few. Yeah. So I'm going to ask, can you share a quick story of maybe the f- most famous golf course that you've ever played on or your most historic shot that you had or or the best round of your life that you ever played? Well, I'll give you the funny story. I've played the TPC Sawgrass down in Florida. Okay. And very nervous. Went out. I had a caddy and it was awesome. And I'm out playing. I'm so nervous. I think I double bogeyed or triple bogeyed the first hole. Not and you. Did it again on the second hole. I finally didn't get relaxed until like the fifth hole. It was very intimidating. I don't know why, just it was. And long story short, I made it through my round and I got to the 16th hole. And if you know the 16th hole, it's a par five mm-hmm. that is very reachable for the pros. And where our tees were that day, it came, came close for me. And I ended up birding the hole. It was a wow. great hole. Then I got to walk to the 17th island hole. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the fun began. <laughs> so uh, I had a great caddy that day, and he was a local scratch golfer whose caddy's there full time. And uh, so what he, <laughs> what we did was my first shot. I was so intimidated by this golf hole that I chunked it and it went right in the water. Well, not a big deal. Right. Well, I did that six more times. Wow. And the caddy's just basically standing there rolling the golf balls out because he knew <laughs> I didn't want to go to the drop zone. I wanted to hit it right from where the pros hit it, and I failed miserably. And wow. 
So anyway, long story short, I ended up having to go to the drop zone because the group behind us was hot on our heels. So we had to clear the tee box. So I went over and I finally got it on the green and I made my putt. I'm walking off. And he said, boy, I have no idea what I scored. And he didn't even hesitate. He said, you got a 17. (laughs) You got a 17 on hole 17. And that is a true story. Wow. And I just lost it. I just laughing so hard. He said it so casually and it was a lot of fun. But that's 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 my claim to fame. But it is one of my favorite courses. That's a classic story. I'm going to remember that from now on when we're out there playing. In case you're winning, you know, beating me with some dollars, I'm going to have to pull that one out. That's, a, that's good psychological warfare. <laughs> so let's get started. So I think about 15 years ago, you had an encounter that changed your future. Some people call it destiny. Some people call it fate. I think you were just on a local church board, right, as a volunteer. And tell me how that played out. Tell me what happened there. Yeah. So I was on the property committee at my church in Haddonfield, and I got a phone call from someone at the church, and they said that another church in town needed help with their boiler system, and I could help them and facilitate getting them a contractor. So I was referred to someone who referred me to a gentleman by the name of Mark Hawks. So Mark Hawks and I, I engaged with the issue and the situation. As we talked, I started to trying to get the the notion that Mark may be a little older than I was, and I was in the market for buying a small company and maybe growing it. So I kind of dangled that carrot out there to him. And boy, he bit that right up. And let me tell you, it was a great match. But yeah, You were in sales at the time, right? (laughs) I I was. I was. And he was on the engineering side. So we really made a nice pairing to start the business. And we grew the business quite rapidly in the first three years with him doing engineering, me doing sales. It was a great match. That's great. That's a great story. So it always goes to show just giving a little bit of volunteer, helping out your local community. You don't know what it could turn into, right? Absolutely. It was a, so such an innocent thing that happened. But like you said, some things are meant to be. Mm-hmm. So you have this conversation with Mark Hawks. You eventually end up buying the business, correct? Correct. So now you're the new owner. You switch offices. You take spot as president, new owner. What was the relationship like initially with the new employees? How did they take to you as a new owner? It was very weird and it was scary. So they didn't know me. I didn't work in the company. I was basically an outsider. But my experience in the industry, I think, sold Mark on my ability to keep the company going. And I think that helped a lot. He knew he wasn't going to step away, so he was going to stay on board for a little bit as a consultant and engineer and sales and do everything he could do with the existing customer base and employees, retain them as well. So there was four mechanics and a helper at the time and maybe a couple people in the office And we just kind of went from there. But they looked at me and said, what are you going to do for us? They were looking for stability and they were looking for something different. And I think I gave it to them. Yeah. But you were in sales and you never owned a business before. Mm -hmm. And so you went from being a salesperson to being a business owner. Being It's tough being a business owner. There's lots of challenges. Mm -hmm. And you succeeded from day one. What would you attribute some of that success in your early years to? Well, uh, the core group of people that I acquired, without a doubt, I would have never been able to do it without them. Just the culture, their commitment, their professionalism. And from day one, they stood by my side and they were, without a doubt, the best teammates I could have ever had. Great. That's a lot to say. And it all comes from great leadership, too, you know, starting at the top with you, you know, leading the helm. To their credit, none of it was demonstrated by that point. I mean, day one, they really aligned with me and said, look, We're going to be your best. Just tell us where to go and we're going to do it. So kudos to them for responding in that manner. That's great. Now, looking back over some of that time as you were growing, 
Would you say that there were some things if you were to do it differently or maybe if you were to regret you went one way or another to help maybe that you would have grown a little bit faster or a little bit larger during that time period? Yeah, I think I'm all about growth and and that's what uh, my relationship carried us and we kind of doubled and tripled the business pretty quickly. That was just based off previous relationships that I had already had. And then I utilized Mark for his engineering skills and his ability to sell his value added into my relationships. And Mm -hmm. it really made a ton of sense. And it was just a a hockey stick growth situation. But if I had my druthers and I would have had a parallel path to having a maintenance sales person on board earlier so we can grow that recurring revenue base so we can get new customers in addition to what I already had. So there's a rookie mistake on my part. It was, you know, I looked at that as I can't afford the salary, Mm -hmm. when in essence, I really couldn't afford not to have the salary because the growth potential was so much greater. And so I grew it. We grew it organically, extremely slowly, but it was all calculated. And every customer was really qualified to, do they fit our Hawks profile and our core values at the time? And that's really was the goal. That's great. That's great. So maybe some, because this podcast is all about learning and helping other entrepreneurs that are in the same situation that may want to learn how to eventually grow their business and then eventually may may sell it out. So during that time where you were, you didn't maybe hit all the avenues, the growth pillars, what do you think that you could give someone as advice to say, hey, if I was to do this over again, here's what I would have done differently Hmm. to hit our ground, all the goals that we wanted to do for our growth? That's a great question. Well, I think having more money in the bank would have helped. That always helps. They say <laughs> you need to have at least a year's salary for yourself and then maybe six months of operating income in the business before you get started. I had neither. So <laughs> payroll day one was like, oh, I got to pay everyone. That, that was something. So You weren't getting paid. You were paying everyone, right? Yeah, without a doubt. So that's the part that it's hard for people to grasp, I think. And I talk to other people, whatever kind of businesses, and they go, yeah, but, and I go, well, do you want it easy or do you want to struggle and be a little more confident? Cause you definitely behave differently when you know that the financial part is taken care of. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can think clearer knowing that, oh boy, I really have to make payroll or I have to, there's bills to pay that shouldn't come into play for your growth. And you get to be more of a, I would say a better entrepreneur if you if remove that distraction. Yeah, that's great advice. And most business owners wish they had that advice early on because they really don't know cash flow will really it's early on make mm, or break you absolutely. really will. Tell me a little bit about your process as you were growing the business again, first time being an owner, knowing how you built your business. How did you pull together and how did you know when to pull together some advisors and which advisors at different times? Because again, talking about expenses, sometimes business owners look at advisors as an expense, not as an investment in their business. Yeah. So my team for acquiring Hawks and Company was my attorney and my accountant. And my accountant gave me great advice. He said, if you're going to have a partnership, I'm out. And I didn't understand why. You're either doing this by yourself or you're not with me anyway, because he's seen too many partnerships fail. And he said, forget it. I'm not going to be a part of it. To this day, that advice has been stellar. 
I don't regret it at all. And I I never got a partner and that's okay. So my brother-in-law, Frank, who's my attorney at the time and has been with me for the last 16 years, he really keeps me grounded. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to have that voice and that person to talk to through any type of business situations. He's in the mergers and acquisitions over in Philadelphia dealing with $100 million companies and up. So great family member to have on your side. Really good. (laughs) So he was extremely helpful. And my wife, who'd never worked in the business, was extremely supportive because she trusted me and she trusted my ability to do whatever I wanted to do. So all through the good and the bad. So without Sue, I don't think I would have been able to persevere because you got to go home every night and you Mm -hmm. have to see your kids and you have to see your wife. And you sometimes you put on that face when you're maybe churning a little bit more inside. (laughs) So, yeah. That's that's where I went. That's great. No, that's that's great advice because we talked to a lot of business owners and sometimes they just don't really want to take the advice of their advisors. And that's key. That's yeah. key. We've learned that in our business and everybody that we're talking to also, that's the key to you do what you do best. You work at your job, have your unique ability, mm-hmm. and you let the advisors do what they do best. I agree. Right? So you put your team together. You really started to have some great growth. And probably a couple of years ago, I think it was, that you were starting getting some offers, I guess, looking at the business. And was it that you were thinking about, there's a time now, hey, maybe I think I want to start selling this business as these offers were coming in. Was it more that it was the time that's going on in the economy that mergers and acquisitions were starting? Because quite honestly, you're a young guy, you're a little too early to retire. So what? tell me a little bit about that thought process from business owner working till maybe I'm going to retire to, hey, there may be another opportunity for me, for my future, for my employees and for my family, for our growth. Yeah, well, it's an interesting concept and how it came about to me. So I was always entrepreneurial looking for other businesses to acquire. Even three years after 2009, we were looking at companies. We were still in very, very young in Hawks, but I saw the growth and I saw the potential and I saw the wow factor. And if anybody knows me, I am very engaged with the wow factor and the Mm -hmm. shiny object. So (laughs) yeah, so I've always been attracted to the acquisition side. So I like looking at companies. I liked evaluating their business. I liked looking at their financial statements, org charts, strategy, everything. It just intrigued me. I liked it, still like it to this day. And So I was part of a lot of different groups over the years and peer groups and got a lot of good advice from other business owners. And it really helped me along the journey. In 2018, we were in the middle of evaluating the financials for a company called Phillips McDade Controls. And Bill Phillips was a longtime friend. And Bill was at the part of his time of his career where he, he wanted to do something a little bit different. So he wanted to pull his chips off the table. And so we were very engaged with that simultaneously, someone came knocking on my door, and that was ServiceLogic. Mm. And I didn't know anybody from ServiceLogic. I really didn't know a whole lot about them other than that they acquired my buddy from Denver. You know, I engaged in a phone call with the president who really made you think the way he talks. He did a really good job. And Tim is he's class act of our organization for sure. But he brought up a lot of good points that makes you stop and wonder. So from 2006 to 2018, a lot has happened and you kind of like, okay, well, what if, what if? And so I looked at it and I said, well, do I want to keep continuing with using my own money and growing the business and trying to create careers for my employees? Or do I want to use an organization like ServiceLogic? And I obviously chose the latter of the two. But in 2018, I didn't entertain the offer 
they did make me an indication of interest offer. And uh, I decided not to at the time because I looked at it and I said, I wasn't ready. The company wasn't ready. And I also took a hard look at the way I utilized the business and I utilized it for myself. And I was having the company work for me instead of me mm -hmm. working for the company. So that was something I learned through my financials, through a lot of the, the debt that was in the business. So the wake up call from Tim from Service Logic was, hey, we're knocking on your door for a reason. So we took a, uh, another year and a half or so, maybe two years, and said, we're going to clean this up because if we're going to be approached again, knowing that the PE market, the private equities are looking in our space for commercial recurring revenue business, I want to look as good as possible. Sure. Didn't know if it was going to be service logic or not. So anyway, so fast forward to 2020 and they call back and we get in the conversation and our business looks completely different. And we had made the acquisition of Phillips McDade, so that had bolstered our revenue. Sure. It was not premeditated. It just all happenstance. So it was what it was, and we just made the deal. We thought it was, it was the right decision for me at the right time, and I have zero regrets. That's awesome. That's a great story. Now, was Service Logic was that the only company that you entertained? Was there anybody else that you had a chance to compare to to say, hey, Service Logic, they look like a they're a great company, but there may be someone else out there. How did you go about choosing Service Logic? Yeah, it's a, it was a process that we went through. So I had a lot of trust in Tim and the team of Tim and Dan who did our due diligence and very good relationship with today. But at the time, my personal team said, okay, so if you're going to do this journey, let's look at the playing field and who's in our space. And that's when we we uncovered there was many. So they developed a basically an RFP to say, is anybody interested in looking at Hawks and Company? If I'm committed to wow. doing it, let's see what's out there because we were being nothing against Service Logic, but we didn't know them against their other competitors sure. or whatever. So we just kind of keep them honest. Kept them honest. And we I just wanted to make sure I explored everything. Because sure. if someone said, Well, did anybody else in that space? And I would have said, Yeah, there's a lot of people, but we didn't talk to them. That yeah. would have been a little embarrassing. Sure. So we did due diligence and I was very thrilled to see Service Logic came out head and shoulders over everybody. Nice. And to me, it was all about what's in it for Marty after the acquisition. Because sure. like you said, I'm extremely young. I'm very, mm -hmm. very young. <laughs> so I got a lot of energy and I didn't want to stop working. I still don't want to stop working. And they basically said, you can stay as long as you want and you can ride this out and there's opportunities and there's so many other companies and it created a lot of open doors and opportunities and options that no one else had either. But it was good. It was more like a large HVAC business versus mm -hmm. a large private equity investment. Sure. And the people we deal with every day are HVAC people. Mm -hmm. They're not investors. Right. So it makes you feel better. Like you can talk about your business with anybody in the organization and they get it. Yeah. So it's nice to have that. It's nice to have that. That's great. I know one of the passions that you have just running your business day to day, you've always talked about this, even that when you, have not, you and I have had conversations, everything always focuses or relates back to your employees. Everything that you've always done, that you've always thought about. And I think I heard you once say that no one here has a job. We all have careers. I think I heard you once say that want to make this move so that we could give more opportunities for our employees and build up their careers. Can you tell me your logic behind and why you just feel that it's important for your employees? Because a lot of business owners don't think about or care that much about their employees as you do. They, can, they think about their bottom line. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the decision for service was to help 
bolster your employees, right? So they have careers. Give me a little insight, if you don't mind, on no, your it, thought process it, there, if that's it, okay. Well, it's something I'm still passionate about. So hiring good people is the hardest part of our any business. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It's the hardest part. Yes, people say getting new business is difficult. It absolutely is. But go finding the right teammate that you can go and cultivate and watch them grow and flourish is hard, but it's so rewarding. So when we talk to prospective employees, we always say, what's your future window look like? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? And it'll give you insight as to whether they're thinking about it and whether they want to aspire to a different position within the industry. So as we were growing very slowly and methodically, organically, I couldn't grow to create career paths for my existing mm. employees. So you're kind of limited to how much, you know, you can't keep promoting because you need people to do stuff, right? Sure. <laughs> I need installers and service people, but I want to graduate them to maybe a project manager, maybe an estimator, maybe a salesperson, but I still need to go and put the stuff in and fix right. it. So you have that balance. And at the rate we were going, and I made the epiphany after 2018 that I wasn't going to go into more business debt, I figured this is the way to do it. So as Tim Riddle said, he's the president of Service Logic. You get to use our money to go build your machine locally here in the Philadelphia market to create the career paths for our employees. That's and great. It, it, it's it's so true. And I tell you, it's, it's very gratifying when you see people that who take their careers seriously and they're not punching a clock and it's a lot of fun to work with them. And they're, my, my statement is always be as entrepreneurial as you possibly can because yep. you'll enjoy it more. And I know that it's your decision. And if it's wrong, we'll be okay. We'll we, work learn, together. we learn from it. We move on. It's not a big deal to to make a mistake. And that's probably the biggest misnomer in business, by the way. Yeah, definitely. No, that's great. And how did your employees, when you broke the news to them and your clients, when you broke the news that you were selling and you're working with Service Logic, was that a big shock to them? How did they react? It was a surprise for sure. So we had a conversation as a leadership team first, and I gave them a full day to digest it. And then I came back and had another conversation. And I was greeted with enthusiasm. I was greeted with, this is awesome. Just well wishes, congratulations. And I can't wait for the next part of the journey. And it was great. Then we went and delivered the message to the field. And some obvious questions, which were normal, which we fielded and we handled. But fast forward, as we made another acquisition and made some modifications, I was getting phone calls and emails and texts from my employees saying, this is exactly what you said was going to happen. About that. And thank you for, and they trusted my vision. They trusted the people that I entrusted in our company to help with the vision. And it's a team effort, but we were able to deliver what we promised. And it really was about career. Yeah. And as we built today, so we've acquired two other companies in the last six months. At some point in time, we're going to have them all merge together and which is going to create even more growth. Yeah. So it's exciting. And that's the stuff when people, you know, we're all about the family part and culture is always first and employees come before anybody. That's great. And so that comment is a great lead into my next comment was, I know once Service Logic took over, you still have all of your main responsibilities that you have Hawks. I know from the outside, it doesn't look like anything has changed, but I think you picked up a, a different role, an additional role than what you had before. Can you tell me a little bit about your new role and how excited you yeah. are with that? So uh, my my title is still president. However, part of what they like to utilize is my relationship that I've built. Mm-hmm. So locally, we're local organizations and peer groups and so on. We know a lot of people. And it didn't take long for me to get word out that what I did and spreading the good word about, hey, this is a great organization to be part of. And if you're at that point of your career to have those conversations, 
you really want to consider mm-hmm. service logic because it makes a lot of sense. And let me just say that I think three or maybe four companies have done that and maybe even more that are in the hopper as we Not speak. That. So it, it's exciting. And I always say, look, I'm thrilled and I don't have any regrets, but go talk to them and let them know. And then you go talk to other owners in, sure. in service logic because that's what they did to me. They said, call this guy in Florida, call this guy in Chicago. And these people were like, you're making the great move. I said, jump in the pool. And we did. And they've lived up to everything they said. So so part of that responsibility is I mentioned my affinity for the acquisition side. Uh-huh. I like that part of the game. It gets you thinking differently. It gets you thinking strategically about other businesses. And it helps you say, wow, they're really doing something good here. Maybe right. I could be doing some of that. <laughs> so it's really good. I like that part of it. But I still run the business day to day. I'm still involved with customers, estimating, things like that. So, And as we grow, hopefully we're looking for people to step up and take different roles mm-hmm. and take some of that off of me. And they can grow and, and feel the feel the accomplishment of doing something a little bit different. That's great. Would it be fair to say and okay that if there's – any listeners on the podcast who own a HVAC company <laughs> that are looking to sell or retire or do a deal like you should be reaching out to you? It wouldn't be a bad idea if you have any questions, that's for sure. <laughs> all right. All right. So we'll make sure we include your information when we uh, launch this podcast for you. Definitely. Taking a little twist, I know that as an entrepreneur myself, sometimes it feels like you have a great relationship with your employees and you're talking to them every day, but you kind of need some outside opinions. You need some different viewpoints or visions of how to grow the business. Did you work with any mentor groups or peer-to-peer groups in your years as you're growing or even still currently? And how did that play a role in as you grew the business or even maybe use them as a sounding board for this acquisition? Yep, uh, we did. And uh, early on, uh, and I'll give a plug to Cheryl Beth Kukler, who uh, was very instrumental with helping us build the business plan. And that was another thing that I probably should have had. I wrote a business plan, but after I realized what a real business plan should look like, I quickly diverted back to what I really should be doing. So Cheryl Beth is is a local coach and a longtime friend and was also a parishioner at my church in Haddonfield at the time. So we, right. we go back. and But she still to this day runs a local CEO think tank group. And talk about getting a different perspective. You're now sitting with CEOs locally from outside of your industry. Great. And it's just so interesting to understand that there's so many different companies that have the same exact problems that Mm. you have. But you're dealing with smart people who are making decisions and you learn from them and they get to hold you accountable and you hold them accountable and you build a relationship that is just uh, second to none. It's just awesome. And I'm still friends with everyone today. I'm not in the group anymore, but I'm still extremely friendly and I miss them all. They're just great people. And they've helped me and my team so much over the years because they've invited certain people and to meetings and they've been great. So that's locally and nationally. We were part of a large group called Synergy. And Synergy is a like-minded industry organization. So we were a little fish in a, in a pond there. So we were at time between three and seven million in revenue. And as we were growing over the years, and but there's $100 million service companies and uh, construction companies. Boy, you get to learn so much <laughs> about things you don't even understand or even think of. So having that group, and they had great quarterly annual meetings based around skill sets that service manager, project manager, construction manager, the accounting department, sales department. And they put those skill sets together for individual forums where they could hone their craft and be better at what they do. And they build their own peer network within the group. That's awesome. Which made it, I mean, they were so thrilled. And 
Look, it was kind of a, they made it really fun. Uh-huh. They ate well, and uh-huh. they, but they worked hard. They worked hard. During sure. the day, it was 8 to 4.30 of some heavy, heavy duty lifting. But that was a great team. So I will tell you that Jim Bartolotta and Julie were just, just, oh my God, they're just two of the greatest people on the planet. And they ran a great organization and very well respected in, in our space for sport. That's great. That's great. One last question or thought. I didn't bring it up, but I think we should do this because one of the areas that I know that you built together was a team to help you with this acquisition. What type of advisors did you pull together to help you with that? Because I know running your business day to day, there's never enough hours in a day just to run the business. And how did you use and utilize your team to help you navigate through all the different transactions? There's so many different things that you have to think about day to day, juggling, running the business, talking to service logic. There's probably lots of legal questions, lots of contractual questions, lots of financial. Yeah. Can you tell me about your team and how they helped support that whole transition? So once again, I'll give credit to my brother-in-law, Frank Deal, who gave me the advice and said, if you're going to do this, you need someone who has experience having conversations and negotiating with private equity backed companies. The, the term pit bulls was used and <laughs> you need a pit bull in your corner in order to understand and navigate through where the the complexities of how they want to do the deal. So ironically, we looked at it and we had the same person in mind and he was, name is John Sender. And John Sender represented Mark Hawks in 2006. (laughs) So when I bought the business, that's the first time I met John, who lived in my neighborhood in Cherry Hill back in the day. And I said, I think I want him in my corner. And he had been extremely friendly over the years, didn't see a whole lot. But when I called him, I told him what I was doing. He got excited. And I don't think I could have picked a a better partner in that realm. So John played the role of the point person. He did all of the talking with the Tim Tim, uh, Reitel from uh, ServiceLogic and kept me away from that, which enabled me to do my job. Mm -hmm. Very important for me. So he came to me and said, hey, Marty, I got a list of stuff that we want to talk about. When's a good time? And then we went and grouped up and we, we talked about what was needed and how to answer questions. So we had three disciplines, which was John, our negotiator. We had Frank, who's our attorney. And we had uh, Hayley Flanagan, who was my accountant. And Jim Rogers and uh, Andrew Reisner were nothing short of stellar. Very fortunate because those two gentlemen, they're entrepreneurial on their own right, right because he's acquiring CPA firms. How about that? So he gets it and just a great team. And I, I mean... They never worked together. Not Frank and John knew each other, but they never had to do a deal like this together. So it was kind of cool. And having all three pieces felt extremely well represented. And yeah, to this day, and I still owe him a dinner because of COVID. I never got to do that. <laughs> I need to get that scheduled. But it was a lot of fun and they helped me stay on track and sure. not distract me for sure. So there's another piece of advice that answered that question from 20 minutes ago, yeah. which is, Get the right team around you because they're going to make it a lighter load for you. It's That's, a lot to carry. That sounds great. And it sounds like you orchestrated it perfectly and pulled the right team together to support you in the corner. So that's great. So you're, what, just 12, 14 months since the acquisition? It'll be 12 months at the end of June. Wow. Wow. What's it look like? What's your relationship now with ServiceLogic? Is, is it everything you thought it would be? Is it, ah, I thought it would be something different? Like, how are you feeling? Very interesting. They've made a leadership change. So we fall under an entity called National HVAC, which is headquartered in Nashville. And they made a leadership change there probably six months ago. So Rob Lehman is now the president. And I knew Rob from that Synergy Peer Group. So having Rob come in and step in, 
nothing short of spectacular. So he is a very like-minded professional and we get along great and he supports our organization as well as the entire national organization it's about an 80 million dollar i think maybe 70 to 80 million dollars in total revenues Mm -hmm. multiple locations so on so he is he's been great for us so i'll say that my relationship with him who is my direct i report to has been awesome it's a better question for him how he feels about (laughs) me because i am a lot of maintenance i can tell you that but I'm excited. I think it's fun. My relationship with John Sterling, who just, he's the regional president for Service Logic. He just came to our local barbecue last week and got to meet our team. And Rob and John worked together for year, many years down in Atlanta. And so it's nice to have a team that is overseeing us who has a lot of experience growing businesses. They also made acquisitions on their own and post uh, selling to Service Logic. So it's it's a great feeling that you're well supported with experienced sure. people, like-minded individuals. Yeah. It sounds like it's a win-win on both sides. It sounds like you're extremely happy. I know that they got a great deal bringing you under their umbrella. Looks like the future is going to be great for I both so. of you. <laughs> so ending on that note, what does the future hold for Marty Rossica? Hopefully a lot of the same. Yeah, I like doing more acquisitions and, mm-hmm. and, and growing the Philadelphia market, supporting Rob, whatever I can on in the Jersey, PA and Delaware stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's there's a lot to do and there's a lot Great. of growth here locally. And I'm just trying to grow the brand and, and make sure we keep careers moving. And it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I could tell you're having a blast. Yeah, so lots I, of energy. I, I, you talk like, about it all day long. Well, Marty, this has been a great session. I think there has been so much words of wisdom From your perspective, anyone else listening on the other end who's thinking about either one, they have an HVAC company that they may want to come speak with you. You have some great experience. Any other business owner that really is thinking about selling their business, there's lots of little bits and nuggets that they should take from. And hopefully if anybody has any questions, I would think it's probably safe to say they could reach out to you and get some experience, right? Absolutely. So let's wrap this up. And Marty, thank you very much for taking some time today for sharing your words of wisdom. And we look forward to our next podcast that will be coming up in the next couple of weeks. Thanks, Mike. Pleasure being here. A lot of fun. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Entrepreneur's Journey, hosted by Michael Pelosi, president of HFM Investment Advisors, LLC. To learn more and to subscribe to the show, head on over to hfmadvisors.com. HFM Investment Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer for sale or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. All investments involve risk and are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendation appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.